Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our morning service. Good to be able to gather together again on the Lord's Day. A little bit cooler day today, but it's good that you are here and we uh, see people joining us on Zoom as well. Welcome to those folks this morning as well. We're glad to have Gary Kingsley this morning with us to open the Word of God. We'll ask Gary to come now, please, Gary, and to read the Scripture and to lead us in prayer, if you would, brother. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Can you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41? Page 1035 in the Pew Bibles in front of you. Again, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 to 41. And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, into the ship. And there were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awaked him, and say unto him, Master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? This is the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, be with your people here today. Comfort them and their souls. Remind them that you are with them always and that you will not leave them or forsake them, no matter what comes their way. Be our refuge in times of trouble. Replace in our distress with peace. And be our strength when we are weak and we find it hard to carry on. Be with our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the nations of this world. Comfort them, Lord, with thy word and thy presence. In every trial, protect them, Lord, of every persecution that comes their way. But let them rejoice and proclaim, to God be the glory. Amen. Ah, be still my soul. Lord is on my side. Um, let us pray again. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word today, give us ears to hear and ready minds to understand your message to our hearts. Reveal to us, Lord God, what it means to follow and trust Jesus in all circumstances that we are living in, and by faith, and not by fear of the storms of this world. Let us stand in awe of what manner of man this Jesus is, who even the winds and sea obey. Let the Holy Spirit move mightily in this place with all power in the lives of people present here today to hear the word of God and give him the glory. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. What if I'm not rejoicing today? What if it is not a good day when people ask, how are you doing? What if I'm having a hard time and I can't seem to be glad in it? Let's be honest. Don't we, do we really rejoice when our heart's in pain? Are struggling in the middle of life's crisis? I don't know about you, but my heart doesn't feel much like singing during 
my grief when burdens press and when my cares are in distress. By hardships of this world, sometimes as we face these storms in our lives, we have questions just like the hymn writer who wrote, Does Jesus Care? This hymn has been a song of comfort in times of pain for many believers, as it was for the author, Frank E. Greth, in the 1900s. The Pennsylvania minister who composed the lyrics, following the death of his youngest sister, the third death of a sibling, following the death, death of his parents. Now that's grief. Does Jesus care? What are some of the characteristics of storms of life? Each of us in this church has faced storms of several different kinds in our lives. The storms may be financial, may be physical, emotional, and may be relational with friends, family, and other ones, other people. But it is certain that all of us here today have or will face trials and tribulations in this lifetime. Sometimes storms come suddenly. These are unexpected circumstances that cause a crisis that invades our life, making us feel like we are threatened in our own existence. We're talking about a situation where your life has fallen apart and your soul is overtaken by billows of sorrow. These problems consume our thoughts every minute of the day, and the winds of disruptions are blowing at such a high speed that they threaten to take us down. The waters of struggle struggle to cope are overwhelming. We can't breathe, and we have a sense that we're being pushed under. Has anybody here? Has anybody here had this kind of storm in their lives? Maybe you're having one today. Maybe you feel like you're drowning and you can't take it anymore. Sometimes storms come by testing our faith. It's one thing to learn about God when you sit in the church on a Sunday, but it's another thing to learn to know God while you're living the storms in this world on a Monday when you lose a loved one or when you lose your job or when you're having a hard time to pay your bills, or when your health begins to leave you, or when your spouse, mine, is fading, or when your marriage is falling apart, or when you're waxing old and things are getting harder just to cope, to manage. Some crises of pain and suffering last a short time, some for a season, and some, unfortunately, last years. Sometimes storms come with questions, and we search for answers. There must have been something that I did wrong. And why would God turn his back on me? Maybe I'm com- I committed a sin that I'm not confessing in my life. Maybe I'm not in God's will, and that's why he doesn't hear my cries, or he doesn't hear my prayers. Just because you're going through a storm doesn't mean that God does not love you. Or there's some, sometimes 
the storm is not always about God's judgment or discipline or that he's angry with you. Some storms happen because we live in an evil, fallen world. And some storms we face in life are even self-made. Sometimes storms come in multiples. And it feels that we're facing more than our shares of difficulties and trouble. We, we might even wonder if Jesus cares. We know in our heads that he does. But sometimes our hearts are hard to convince. The way we react to God during a storm exposes the truth about ourselves. Brothers and sisters, storms in this life have the ability to bring to the surface what's really, really going on inside of you. Storms will reveal to you whether you live by fear or whether you live by faith. Storms will teach you in all your heart is full of trust in Jesus Christ that he's in the boat or you're doubting that he even cares. Why do we have storms in this life? The Bible says that the whole world lies in wickedness, dead in the trespasses of sin, following the course of this world, following the evil one, the prince of the power of the air, who opposes God and his precepts. And this spirit is now working in the sons of disobedience. We live in a fallen world where there is evil from nature and moral evil from man that causes storms in this earth because of the corruption of sin. There are three sins that lie behind the fallen world. Unbelief, pride, and rebellion against the almighty God who created things good. These are the origin of the original sin from the devil and man who wanted to be like God. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death and evil came to all men because all of sin and fallen short to the glory of God. But Romans 5.19 says this, for as one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedient, the man, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. In Romans 8.22 it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. This verse speaks about the present time. All creation is longing for the day of the Lord to be set free from the bondage of disease and decay and death. This is making a reference to the future prospect of a joyful deliverance from the pain and suffering from the damage of this unbalanced world caused by sin. Come, Lord Jesus, come. What are these types of storms in our lives? We're going to see that there are many ways, like the disciples on the boat, that we are overwhelmed by a spiritual storm out of our control, crying to the Lord. Sometimes these storms begin by a physical dark cloud or an intentional wind, but suddenly turns into a spiritual violent storm, bringing waves of evil and damage our way. And if all possible, if all possible, even cause some to shipwreck their faith only if they're not in Christ. First, you have a physical storm. 
When we think of a physical storm, these are the types of natural disasters caused by evil in the realm of nature, like earthquakes, like hurricanes, like plagues, like famines, and like floods, or natural evil that affects the body, like a biological defects, disease, and death. In this type of storm, you're unable to do anything about it because you can't control the physical storm from outside circumstances. You can't control the wind. You can't control the sea. You can't control natural disasters and its damages. You can't control the pain and suffering and disease from disease death brings into our lives. These are out of our control. Second, you have... An intentional storm. When you think of an intentional storm, this covers the willful and evil act of human beings to cause damage of ill will to people, such as to deceive, to destroy, and to kill in the realm of man. Even in this type of storm, you're not able to do anything because you can't control people's actions or intentions to abuse from an outside circumstance. You can't control the human heart. You can't control, you can't control the human heart when it comes to love or to hate. You can't control the human will to love or to harm. You can't control the human morals to love or to reject evil. These are out of our control. But you can control yourself by examining your ship that you are not the problem to your crisis. And the final one, we have a spiritual storm. Every person here has or will experience what I call, where are you, God, moment. Spiritual storms are what you believe when God, when things seem to be going extremely unbearable in your lives, and you ask the question, does Jesus care? Any of these storms mentions can be become dark fast and awake a raging wind to uproot our emotions from our souls and to be mixed with fears causing a spiritual storm. Because not only did the circumstance get out of control, now our reactions are guided by fear and not by faith. Whatever evil it is that's causing this instability of pain and suffering, it is so big so deep, so devastating, the crisis has unhinged the balance of our life and we can't control it anymore. A spiritual spiritual storm of this type, one may have to weather much longer than the others. And it won't be over until the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort makes it over. During this time, we take refuge in him. We pray to him and we endure with him. How often would we or even consider the power of God in our lives if the calm to, in our lives to calm the waters in the storm of this world if there was no storms? My sermon here today was going to be about what is truth. But the winds of life changed the direction and dark stormy clouds appeared to come our way. We suddenly found ourselves in a spiritual storm. And I'm speaking of me and my wife. And my sermon changed with the times. 
Someone once told me that storms are always designed to increase our faith and have a deeper experience with God. This storm certainly was putting us and these words to test. It was a different type. It was unpleasant. Most of the time it was uncomfortable. And sometimes it was just unbearable. We hope by getting away, traveling, things would have calmed down. But the chaotic winds of this major conflict with a family loved one was even getting worse. This individual had much bitter roots with old painful scars causing a serious turbulence in our family life, leaving things unstable and unpredictable. No matter what we did, we just couldn't make things right, and things got out of control when our pride and wrong decision caused a bigger wedge. Our spirit was being crushed by a family, by the family separation, and we were having a really, really hard time. Events were breaking down fast, and we lost total control of the situation. Why is this happening? Cried out to the Lord. Where are you? Don't you care? What good can come from this pain? The fear of the problem was blurring our faith and tears were overtaking our hearts. And then one day, while we went out for a walk outside, my soul was reminded reminded of the words of God, Fear thou not, I am with thee. And we spoke about the story of Jesus calming the waters and the fears of his disciples. On that day came peace within us and the lessons of his word. Praise the Lord. The situation is much better and slowly resolving with forgiveness and love. We are comforted by the Lord's guidance in this family circumstance and we trust that we, there is much healing with time. For now, our faith has increased and our fear has decreased. We are strengthened in the comfort of his grace and the anchor holes. Scripture background. Let me give you a little uh, context of our scripture reading of the events prior. When Jesus said to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side, the trip was a decision with no preparation for a journey other than just a time of rest from a long day for Jesus. Leaving the multitude of people, Matthew tells us in verse 21, when he was entered into the ships, his disciples followed him. They followed Jesus into the boat. And they launched forth into the sea. The sea was calm, and the noise of the crowd got more silent with every passing wave. Everything was at peace as they sailed away, and Jesus fell asleep in the lower parts of the ship. Jesus' humanity was being fully displayed by his physical exhaustion when this account was taking place. This was the time in his ministry when there was a great hunger for truth in the land without hope. Multitudes of people had surrendered him, surrounded him at every turn, crying to be healed, pushing to listen to the message of the kingdom of God. This had been a busy day for Jesus, teaching the crowd about the Father and the words of life and fighting darkness with the light of his words. 
The day started back in Mark 3:20, when a great amount of people came together against, again to hear him. Then he had to battle some of the Jewish scribes who said, he gets his power to do miracles from the devil and he is possessed by Beelzebub and Satan. This was a fierce confrontation where Jesus cast down their lies with wisdom from above, rebuking them and saying a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. After that, Jesus' brethren and mother came to him and tried to seek to take him away because they thought he lost his mind. But he spoke to the multitude explaining who was his true family. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. Then Jesus spent the rest of the day teaching the crowd parables. He spoke about the parable of the sower, scattering seeds. Then preaching and the parable of the lamb and the parable of the mustard seed and a host of others. This preaching of God's word by the master continued throughout the day and later in private to the disciples, revealing and bringing to light the wisdom and the ministry of the kingdom of God. All day they had a front row seats. All day they watched the miracles Jesus had performed and to the manifestation and the glory of the Father. But now Jesus knew that there were dark clouds coming and this would be for them a real test to see how much they had learned. After all, the hearing of God's words intended to produce faith. Romans 10:17. So when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and faith must always be tested and refined. As described in Job 42.5, My ears have heard you, but my eyes have seen you. Soon the disciples found themselves in the middle of a violent storm. The words say, high waves were tirelessly beaten into the boat, which had made them afraid that they might be sinking because the boat began to fill and covered with them with water. They were in danger in so much that these seasoned fishermen felt that their efforts were helpless and they believed that they were going to die. They lost hope and control of the situation. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, Master, carest thou not that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care? Let us break down the scriptures and the reading of the scripture we read. And let's look into the gospel of Mark along with the harmony of some of the accounts of other gospels like Matthew and and, uh, Luke. And let us get into the meat and potatoes Does Jesus really care? In verse 35 of Mark 4, it says, Let us pass over unto the other side. To believers everywhere, the three most powerful words that Jesus spoke to our hearts after we believe was, Come, follow me. Luke 18.22 and Matthew 16.24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross. And follow me. We just like disciples follow Jesus into the ark of safety. And we are anchored to his righteousness and promises to bring us over to the other side. John 5.24 says, 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. If Jesus says that he's going to get us over, we're going over. And there's nothing the devil or this world can do for us and stop us by passing over to the other side. So let us follow him. In verse 37, Mark 4, he arose, there arose a great storm and wind. Suddenly there arose a great wind causing a violent storm, bringing them into danger. That is the way storms are. One, mo- one moment it's all calm and you're doing fine and the winds of trouble blow into our lives. One text, one phone call, or there's a knock on the door. First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friend, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering, though it is something strange were to happen happening to you. In Job 14.1, when praying to God, he mentions how life is full of trouble. Jesus said in John 16.33, These things have I spoken to you, that in me that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus promises here us that we will have peace in him in the winds of distress. Let not your heart be discouraged, but let your heart be encouraged that he will overcome and will direct our path in the storms of life. Verse 37 in Mark says, And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Yes, this world is a sea of trials that are overwhelming us at times. While passing through the troubled waters, we feel beaten down, being overflowed by the waves of sorrow. The Bible tells us to hold on to the hope that is set before us and to find comfort there in Hebrews 6:19. It describes this hope as sure and steadfast, an anchor of the soul. That's grounded on a solid rock who called us by name and is present with us in the darkest days of our life. Every believer here whom Jesus redeemed is on a ship destined to heaven. Our deliverer arose from the grave and he entered the veil, that heavenly temple. He's watching and sitting with all power on the other side, keeping our soul steady and unmovable. Also, the word of God is like an anchor in calm waters. But when winds of difficulties do come our way, the anchor holds, keeping us grounded, so we're not so we don't end up drifting miles away into dangerous rough waters into the rocks of sin. Isaiah forty three, one and two. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not over flow thee. 
let us be anchored to him. Verse 38 of Mark 4, it says, And they awaked him and say unto him, Jesus was there with the disciples all the time in the boat. It wasn't until they lost control of the situation and became afraid that they came to him and called to him to wake him up. When they called on his name, that's when he arose and spoke. Sometimes we let ourselves be overwhelmed way too long in pain and of the crisis because you never took time to wake up the Savior. Sometimes our biggest problem is not the crisis, but that we're trying to control the situation of the storm. We will try to get everybody's attention with our cries concerning our circumstances. We will wake up family. We will wake up friends to the issues. We will wake up strangers and people with power just to try to solve it for us. And some will even be arrogant and try to buy their way out. We get to the place when we find out that nobody in this world can help, then the Lord wakes us up. That's when we cry, Jesus, save me. Second Samuel 22, 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for help reached his ears. Let us come to him. The Lord hears our cry. Verse 38 of Mark 4. Master, cares thou not that we perish? O soul, are you weary and troubled? Isaiah 45, 22 says, Look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. This was a fierce and violent storm occurring. Hurricane winds, they say, were blowing the boat all directions. The waves was, are crashing over the boat, and the boat was filling with water. And the di- disciples, who are again experienced fishermen, know the seas, and they were yelling in panic. They're thinking they're about to die. And where was Jesus? Jesus is sleeping in the boat on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouted, Master, Master, don't you care? Save us. We are perishing. They asked the question we ask sometimes. Lord, don't you care that I'm overwhelmed? Lord, I'm drowning here. Please, God, I can't breathe. I'm sinking. Don't you care about me? Spiritual storms are a reality. And the problem is that we lost sight of the presence and the power of God. We can't see him. We can't find him in the storms of fear. The Lord is always close to the brokenhearted to save those who are crushed in spirit. As a believer, Jesus is always in the boat. Turn your eyes and fix them upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow dim in the light of his glory and grace. Yes, he cares. His heart is touched by our grief. So do not grow weary or lose sight of God's presence. He will deliver you. He will protect you. And he will sustain you to weather the storm. 
We also can learn from Peter when he walked on water that it was only when he took his eyes off Christ and became absorbed in the storm that he began to sink, taking him under. Let us look to him. Verse 39 of Mark 4 says, He arose. The word of God says in Acts 5, you read about the disciples rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the shame of Jesus' name. Acts 5.41 Acts 6 and 7 you will read about those early disciples who were not afraid to die in this, for their faith. One of this disciple was Stephen. He testified of the truth of Jesus Christ boldly to the wicked Jewish men and they stoned him to death. And with forgiveness in his heart, he fell to his knees and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, says, Look steadfastly into the heavens. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Many, many verses in the Bible speak of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, revealing his power. But brothers and sisters, I don't know if you heard or seen this, but the Son of Man was standing. He was standing looking at his disciples being stoned to death. He stood for him. Jesus is standing for you when things happen in our lives. He's standing for me. He's standing when we are in trouble. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus arose. Does he care? Oh, yes, he cares. Another amazing thing, event took place that day. The Son of God was standing in the heavens watching, orchestrating this with great care the manifestation events in time. Do you know who else was standing there? Saul, later known as Paul, who approved the execution of Stephen. Witnessing the murder of a man of God, the Lord took this evil event that Paul meant for evil and turned it upside down for good. The persecutor who oppressed became the persecuted who served the master, who spoke boldly about the Lord saving grace in 1 Corinthians 15.3. For I deliver to you first, of all that which was I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by many witnesses. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which was in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region, and that mighty word of God spread in history until our time today, and we are standing here saved. Be amazed, amazed by this amazing grace. Verse 39, 
of Mark 4. Isaiah 4, 6. You rule over the surging sea, and when the waves mount up, you still them. Notice when Jesus was who, who Jesus rebuking first. He will talk to the disciples later, but first he's talking to the present circumstances. The circumstances is the wind, the water, and the waves of the sea that was overwhelming them and making them afraid. He doesn't speak to them yet. God doesn't want the storm of your life to continue any longer than you can handle. But he never wants the circumstance to overrule his word. He doesn't want the problem to oversight his presence. Because he's on the boat. We need to be reminded not to leave Jesus separated from what's happening in our lives. This little fate will only intensify the storm in sinking us deeper without hope. Let us wait upon the Lord and he will rebuke the storm. And you will notice a great change. Notice the way Jesus rebukes the storm, the wind. You may have an indication of who or what was behind the storm. This rebuke by Jesus is the same rebuke he gave to the demons back in Mark 1.25. It could be that this storm was an attack on the kingdom, an attack by the kingdom of darkness, trying to kill Jesus and the disciples at the time. You know, we live in a world that is gripped by the lies of the devil who is the prince and the power of the air. Along with his minions, they, can, they come to kill and destroy and try to lead us away from the truth and lose faith. When Jesus was speaking to the storm, he was rebuking the one who aroused it. We know from the Bible there was cases of the devil used where he was allowed to use the weather to bring the destruction upon people. For example, in the book of Job, the devil used the lightning storm to kill Job's sheep and servants. Then in Job 1.19, the devil used before a powerful wind to destroy the house of Job and his children were the results of death. It's possible that this sudden storm was attacked by the devil himself. Ephesians 6.12 says, for, we are, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but they are against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Verse 39, Mark 4, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Whether it was the devil or not, the results was the same. What shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Suddenly the winds cease. It was a great calm. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, commanded peace. Be still. And immediately the winds and waters and waves obeyed. Jesus had just demonstrated his authority over nature itself. The disciples are beginning to learn more about who this Jesus really is. They had never seen the display of power before. Jesus calmed the storms, not according to the time of the disciples, but on his own divine timing, because he wanted to be all present in their lives. He 
all-powerful and could have spoken the problem away at any time. He could not stop the storm before it started because he's all-knowing. Jesus had something to teach the disciples and something to teach us. Peace is not the absent of the storm in your life. Peace is having the presence of God in the boat in the midst of the storm. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not of the world gives it. I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. In Philippians 4, 6, 7, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything give prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. Verse 40, Mark 4. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Mark says, Do not let your heart be troubled or be afraid. How is it you have no faith? The word says in Timothy 1.7, For God had not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love, in a sound mind, in prayer, Joshua, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fear. The truth is, is that faith and fear are incompatible. In both Mark 4.40 and in Mark 5.36, be not afraid, only believe. The Savior reproved those, he thought, to replace their fears with faith in him. These accounts leave us with a powerful lessons of faith in Jesus that he will guide us and take away our fears. Matthew says, Oh, of little faith. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, thou of little faith, where didst thou, why didst thou doubt? Jesus immediately reached out his hand, and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? They were not facing a storm alone. He was telling them that he he did not have to be afraid. But he wasn't talking about the storm. He was talking about their fear and doubt. Did Jesus care? He's teaching and reminding all of us, when the waters get rough, recall and remember our faith in him in the past to lead us to the present and prepare us for the future. Then we have Luke. Where is your faith? Yes, spiritual storms are too big to handle ourselves, and we end up believing we're being overwhelmed trying to control the situation, and we lose sight of the faith of God. Do not be blind by the light of the crisis while existing in the darkness of your circumstance. Have faith in Jesus Christ who died for you. He he is with you in the boat. So let it go. Let go the problem and let God take control. Our faith is our belief that God will do exactly as he promises. God sees our lives at the beginning to the end. He's all knowing. He's all caring. And he's all loving. Verse 41 of Mark says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, 
Now in Proverbs 9, 10, in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This, this storm stretched this disciples' faith. Verse 41 says they probably were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, being afraid. They marveled and they wondered. Up to that point, the disciples knew Jesus was special, unique, and from God, and was working through him. God was working through him. However, this event got their minds wondering at things above. They started to shift in their, th- in their thinking about who Jesus really was. Prophets of the past had performed various miracles, like healing the sick, cleansing the leopard, and even dividing the Red Sea. But this seemed completely different. This is the type of power reserved for God alone. Like in Psalms 89, 8, 9, O Lord, God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like thee? Or to thy faithful around about thee, thou rulest the rage and sea. They asked again, who is this man? In their marveling, they remembered God's word from another scroll of another psalm. 107, 23, 29. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business in great waters, fishermen and sailors, they see the work of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy winds, which lifts up the waves and the sea. They mount up to the heavens and go down into his depth. Their souls melt because of trouble. They rail to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. It was grace that taught our hearts to fear. And by grace, our fears were relieved. Verse 41 of Mark 4, the last verse. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is the first time that Matthew, Luke, and Mark are saying the same thing. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. He spoke, shown his power. He spoke shown his presence, and he spoke, revealing his identity. This storm united their faith in harmony with the truth. Who is this man that rules the power and speaks with authority? This wasn't just a man. They had seen his healing, heard his teachings, but they knew him only as the Messiah, the Christ who came into the world with the words of life. But now they were looking at him with the fear of the Lord and wondered as a child. The word for fear here means they were awe-struck in the presence of him who can calm the waters and the winds and the waves with just the sound of his voice. In the beginning, God spoke, and this was the sound of his voice. He created In Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. 
John 1, 1, in the beginning the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 14 reads, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That Jesus Christ is the fullness, the most complete example of human in God's image. Hebrew 1 refers to him as the very image of his substance. In Colossians, it reveals Jesus as the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When you deal with the God-man like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're dealing with someone who can feel it and fix it. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He felt suffering and pain. But one who, with every respect, has been tempted, just like us, but without sin. Does he care? Oh, yes, he cares. Let us obey him. What good can come out of storms? Only God can make something good come out of the storms of evil. This is true even in the darkest circumstances of our life. With God, all things are possible. Here's a few examples. Joshua believed God was with him in all the floods of trouble that came his way. In Genesis, Genesis 50:20. but for as for you... Yea, though you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day to save much people. See, God works in miracles. We wonder sometimes what's happening, what good can come out of things. But here, he, Joseph, who was sold to slavery, put in prison, God worked out something good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God would be with them in their fiery storm. In Daniel 3:17 it says this, if it be so, O God, whom we serve, our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship thy golden image which thou hast set up. King Nebuchadnezzar meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Who was the fourth person in that fiery furnace? Jesus. The ultimate way that God turns what was meant for evil is good is true, the gospel of Christ. When God sent his son to save us, he displayed his mercy and his judgment. The most profound way on the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Ephesians 2.4.6 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of this great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. After today's message, I pray that you believe and trust his words in Romans 8:28 when we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that who are called according to his purpose. And whatever evil comes our way, our God is able to deliver us and that our hearts be able to say, Thy will be done. It is well. It is well with my soul. Oh, unbeliever who's sitting here today, why do you have no faith? Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all, who, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Weary and burdened is a perfect way to describe the state of man who can't find peace in this earth because of the evil and troubled waters we live in. But John eight twelve says, Jesus said, I am the, the light of the world, and he that follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Look to him to calm the seas of your storms and give you rest. Isaiah thirty fifteen says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You would rather perish in the storm of this life. Though your ship is battered, Though your sails are torn by the raging seas of sorrows, you have no anchor to hold. Why do you suffer anymore, O foolish soul? Fall on your knees and cry before you die. Jesus, I'm perishing. Save me. Take hold and have faith in Jesus. The anchor holds. Today is the day of salvation, if you hear these words. God proved his love for you. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe and be saved. Fellow believers, does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. Living, he loved us. Dying, our Savior was buried and carried our sins far away. Rising, he justified us freely forever, and one day, one day he's coming. Oh, glorious, glorious day. His grace has brought us safe thus far, and his grace will lead us home. There is a point of time coming when God will call all believers to that blessed place, and the storms of life will cease. Then in eternity, peace like a river will fill our souls when we enter the joy of the Lord here in His voice, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, glorious, glorious day that will be. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Until then, we have faith in him, no matter what storm comes our way, because each day is a precious gift from God with new grace and new mercy Every morning I see. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice in it and be glad in it. Because I know my Savior lives. And all the people of God said, Amen.